0: So it's a new week. Did you get to the track? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> now that you've opened your beverage,
1: did you get to the track? Um, you know, I didn't get to the track this week because I... <sighs> I'm just waiting on that one piece of gear, you know? Like I can't mm. my sound is just not there, you know what I mean? So, right? I just I can't I can't play, I can't write, I can't practice until I find that sort of thing. It's that spinal tap
0: 11 like one over the cliff sort right. of like moment that we all have to yeah. It has to happen naturally, you can't force it.
1: So, yeah, I think I need another guitar. I think that'll do it. Right. I need to buy another guitar. Well, it's about
0: time you get another one because I don't think you have nearly enough.
1: It's been 10 days since I got a new guitar, so yeah, I think we're overdue. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about you? Did you get to the track?
0: No, man. I um you know, I I just got lost in making Helix or HX stomp presets. So I it's worked on that. And you know, like when you go down that rabbit hole, you're just like making sounds. You're like, "Oh, this would be great." And then, you know, you look up from your 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 sweaty puddle you've been sitting in, and you're like, oh, it's it's tomorrow. So
1: I've never done ayahuasca, but I imagine that it's a lot like that. You know, when you're making Helix presets, I mean, it's it really is like a drug for me. That's why I just keep putting them out, you know, and then I sell them so that I can kind of continue to support that. Um, it's a very psychedelic experience, you know. I don't know what ayahuasca is, but it sounds <laughs> highly addictive. Uh, yeah. It as far <laughs> as I know, it's some sort of psychedelic. Oh, that's like a Joe Rogan thing. We're a different kind of podcast. Yeah, I don't really watch Joe Rogan, but I do know that he talks about D. I almost said DMT. DGT. 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 <laughs> man, he loves those DGTs, dude. Talking man. about all the time. Yeah.
0: Do, do you have one? I'm going to give you one. A DGT or DMT? <laughs> no, that's what he always says. Like with the oh. stuff he's shilling, like, <laughs> you you like this drink? I'm going to give you a case. You know, oh, this hey, pops your back. You want one? I'm going to give you one.
1: Hey, man. <laughs> Yeah. You ever tried DGT? <laughs> Pretty sweet, man. My favorite, mm. the only Joe Rogan clip that I really know and watch is, uh, he's got some comedian on with him and he asked him a question like, would you fight 12, 12 year olds? And his immediate, re- immediate response is, uh, he's like, Oh man, I'd F up 12, 12 year olds. Hey, question." <laughs> <laughs> it's, there are some fantastic
0: like episodes with him, but yeah, I've kind of lost interest over the past couple of years
1: yeah so that's why we didn't do a track it's joe rogan's fault this week blame him blame he got joe all the rogan. money
0: he got all the air time he took it all from us
1: yeah spotify was gonna pay us for a track and then rogan that deal last year just took it they just took it all from us so blame joe rogan There you go. welcome to dipped in tone everyone uh i'm rhett i'm zach and this is episode 20 right yeah wow wow look at <laughs> us every week we act like hey (laughs) we we actually made another one we did it we've (laughs) we've accomplished something this week and you know what that's great there's value in that there's there's value in like setting a goal and accomplishing that goal and doing it And you know what we've done it um Mm -hmm. if we've done it 20 weeks in a row now we literally have done it 20 weeks in a row basically
0: yeah that's weird isn't it
1: that is weird uh anyways yeah this is dipped in tone welcome if it's your first time checking us out uh we are a guitar podcast and um you know kind of devolves each episode into some form of argument or philosophical discussion or shilling for some brand or anything of the above so uh yeah if you like it subscribe here on youtube or on your favorite podcasting platform we're almost at four thousand subs on youtube that's amazing yeah we we
0: hope by the time this is up hopefully we will have hit it
1: so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Zach, how was, uh, how was your week? It's good. It was, you know, as good as it could have been.
0: Uh, but you know, just, just hanging in there, plugging away. I, 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 I'm perpetually in a state of like groundhog's day, you know, just like doing the same thing every week over and over and over. And it's like, unless something eventful happens, I don't feel like I have much to like share because it's just literally the same thing, but how- nothing. Exciting happened.
1: How many pedals did you build this week?
0: Uh, I, well, I prepped probably around 200. <laughs> uh, but built not that many yet, but I mean, that's how I do it. Like everyone asks, like, how long does it take me to build a pedal? Like I don't build one at a time. Like I'll, I'll batch them out. So like I, we batched out a hundred golden fleece, just the boards. Like, so they're ready to go um, into the box. And once I you know, throw them in the box and I solder in the foot switch. And then, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. Like it takes even like the, like a golden fleece doesn't take that long relative to like something complicated, like the wildwood Mjolnir, where I'm literally putting every component on the board, but you know, it's still time consuming having to do that, you know, a hundred times. Anything is, but yeah, it was a lot. And I, and I'm nowhere near caught up. So the, the, I will say the delay, uh, I finally got, Uh, all the boards and everything so i'm going to start programming them and getting that set up and then hopefully uh by the time this is up uh i should be ready to start showing some of the the like some teaser images of what it's going to look like so fingers crossed nice yeah what about you
1: uh pretty pretty good week you know i I actually took some time off so i made a video well when this goes up it'll been like a week and a half two weeks ago but basically A video talking about being somewhat burned out after you know a year um, we've all kind of experienced a similar sort of situation I just felt like talking about it on the channel and after that video went up I felt good and just kind of took about three days didn't even really come in this room I didn't touch a camera I didn't even really play guitar I just kind of hung out and that was a nice little reset Uh, and it worked to kind of get me back so I edited and put up the final video of our little shoot. We did back in October at Carter vintage, the burst video.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and the big thing is I finally started my modular synthesis journey this week. I bought a case, a used case on reverb today or two days ago. Um, and I am slightly scared, really excited. I've no idea what I'm doing. Complete beginner. And if anyone out there knows anything about modular synthesis, boy, is it complicated. Um, you think, you know, putting a pedal board together and figuring out what overdrive pedals you need is tough. Boy, <laughs> the modular world is something else.
0: Yeah, I have some friends who are pedal builders who also make like modules. And um, I've seen them like at NAMM and they'll show me and I'm like, I don't What is this? It's <laughs> <is> like a, we got to like plug them in. Like, it's like an Atari thing. I don't get it.
1: Okay, yeah. so I've, I've been interested in it for about two years now and have kind of just lurked around the edges watching YouTube videos and thinking about it, but the things that have kept me out of it are, one, it's very expensive. I mean, boy, is it expensive. Um, even to build a somewhat modest uh, synth in a case is, I mean, thousands, can be thousands of dollars depending on what you want to do with it. And then two, I'm a guitar player, not a synth or keyboard player, so like you sort of have to understand some fundamentals about synthesis in order to kind of grasp the idea of a modular rig. Um, so I've spent the last couple of years just kind of messing around, talking to friends about it and stuff. The thing that I'm really looking to do with it is kind of three, three things. One, I want to integrate my guitar into it and see what kind of weird shit I can do on guitar. Two, I'm really fascinated by sort of the super ambient kind of kind of stuff um right you know i've uh been listening to some playlists on spotify for a while um i want to start messing around with that and then there's a, a third thing in the modular world called generative synthesis which is very intriguing to me basically uh kind of a 60 second overview generative synthesis is where you essentially give the machine a set of parameters and you give it some rules to follow and then it generates music basically on its own based off of the rules that you've given it. And it can be very cool, very experimental. I think there's a natural progression from guitar and pedals and pedal boards into the modular world. And so I'm interested in getting into it and making videos about it and talking about it. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's man. It, that, that That's how I approach rabbit holes. Uh, I think we're, we're probably kind of similar in that respect. Like I watch, uh videos and and read up on stuff for like ages before I take a dive. Like when I, but building my proton pack, I've been watching like Adam Savage's YouTube about prop building for years. And like so many other like prop builders before I ever picked up like any sort of replica prop. But now I feel like I have like a good, you know, knowledge base to where I can, you know, fumble my way through it. So I'm sure that's probably the same experience that you're having.
1: Yep. And I know I'm going to get, I only have a couple modules right now. Um, but I know I'm going to get like the case put together and then just be like, I don't know what the hell to do now. <laughs> like, start just plugging shit in and hoping it works and makes noise and stuff. So we'll see. Right. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I'm going to need it. So, uh, Hey, we should, we should dip somebody's rig. Uh, yeah. Shout out to our lovely Patreon patrons, Jesus, Patreon supporters, who are in the discord chat right now uh we're setting new records today
0: yeah yeah i uh, i don't know how many people are in here but we got a lot of people watching and it's real exciting
1: yeah so if you're new what you can do is sign up to patreon link down below for a couple bucks a month and you get access to the channel uh discord server which is on my discord and uh you can watch the uh, episode live while we're taping it and be a part of the madness that's happening in the <laughs> dipped in tone Patreon chat right now with yeah. all the gifts and the uh, distractions. They're happening Com-
0: completely unrelated to what we're talking about, and that's fine. That's fine.
1: It's fine. Yep. it's a jolly mint. We're all having a good time. So we're gonna do what is this week four of uh, dip somebody's rig, dip my rig, dip your rig, dip your rig. Uh, is it? I think so.
0: Yeah, three or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're dipping our friend Casey Harris's rig.
1: Yes. Casey, has, Yeah, we should shout out Casey Harris. Um, he's an artist, uh, does graphic design work, uh, designed the, the logo for my podcast, Backstage Journal Podcast, a couple years ago. Uh-huh.
0: And he's designed some stuff that for us that we haven't made live yet, but we'll be posting soon. Um, okay, gosh, this computer. Here we go. Uh, so I'm pulling up his email here so we can talk about, we can read everything. Uh, and i'll shout out
1: his instagram real quick it's uh at harris art co on instagram if you want to follow him so that's it yep uh
0: so his rig is um pretty phenomenal and and i feel like we should kind of stagger like you know like a lot of improvements like sit in awe of a rig and this is definitely awe-inspiring um he's got a cower super chief with a veritone circuit which is Beautiful. It's got a super flamey top. Uh looks like a semi hollow sort of thing. Yep. Uh Fender Custom Shop 51 no caster reissue. Beautiful. What, one of the cutthroat audio down brownie amps with a with a matching cab. So are you familiar with no, these? No, no. Uh it's basically a brown face deluxe, but with every single bell and whistle. So instead of having like a normal and or a bright and normal channel, it's got a Marshall 18 watt circuit and then a Fender Brownface Deluxe Circuit. Ooh. Uh, Yeah, it's got a master volume. It's got a solid-state tube rectifier switch. It's got everything, and it literally sounds like ZZ Top in a box. So he's got that with a custom uh, extension cab, which is really cool. He's got a 62, uh, looks like a reissue, uh, fender reverb unit yes and then a pedal train nano with a spark power supply and he's got a smattering of pedals some of my stuff and that's not why i picked him but he's got uh, <laughs> a polytune he's got an old chupacabra one of the first ones i made uh a way huge overrated special high road fuzz and then the um mini beano boost on a pedal train nano board so it's like what else the only thing i would add would be a delay
1: yeah yeah i mean look so two mythos pedals here where we're kind of that's almost a self-shill you know and those are (laughs) rare self-shills but that's that's getting close to the line there um wow casey well done Uh, on multiple on multiple fronts this is a a well thought out well executed rig um there's a theme here there's a direction you know the the cower you know i've never really played a cower actually but i haven't either i do i do enjoy the look of them uh, I think they, they look really nice. Yes. And of course the, the custom shop, that's a no caster, right? There's no, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Beautiful man. Beautiful. Um, I'm really fascinated by that amp situation. Oh uh, man. The 18 watt I... Marshall thing in particular, because I think that's one of the most unsung amp circuits of all time. So like, uh, my high watt custom 20 behind me, that is close to the 18 watt Marshall thing. And mm-hmm. Boy, that's that's one of my favorite amps I've ever played.
0: Yeah, so the the Fender Brownface Deluxe, I would always tell people whenever people would ask about him when I worked at Carter, I said it's the best Marshall Fender ever made and it's super grindy, it's got a great tone, but it's, you know, it's an entirely different circuit than like an 18 watt Marshall. And so what this amp does, it kind of combines, you know, both those preamp circuits into one grab and go combo. It's a 1x12 and The fact that it has all these other features like a solid state rectifier switch and stuff means that you can take it from having that kind of really loose, small combo amp feel to a more tighter, more immediate feel. And you can just cover so much ground with it. And to me, like when I see a rig like this, it's like, oh, I I think a lot of people might think that's kind of limited. But to me, I see like endless possibility in such simplicity. And that's what I aim for personally.
1: Yep. Yep killer rig and don't sleep on that reverb tank. So right. those um I got turned onto those by by friend of the uh I guess we can say friend of the show Zapata, Eric Zapata. Sure. Um he uses one a lot. There it's different than having like a reverb pedal for example in front of your amp. Um because it's not just the spring tank. There's a preamp in that uh essentially head that's driving that spring tank. And so when you're you're inserting that preamp with the transformers and everything into the front of your amp, it's it's I have a theory that anytime you can put more transformers in your signal flow, it's probably a good idea.
0: <laughs> Just lay them in. Just there. lay
1: them in there, man. <laughs> Come on. Uh but seriously, the Fender reverb tanks uh, that's probably a reissue, I'm assuming. Yeah.
0: I I'm guess uh, casey could could tell us, but it, it looks it the, I love the fact that they all match and he did say that um Cutthroat audios working on a reverb tank, so you could have like an entire Cutthroat thing. But I love because they're all brown face uh, with the wheat grill, and I d- I think that's one of the best looking Fender amps ever. That yep. or that that color combination, yep, yeah, It's just so good.
1: Yep, yeah,
0: and and those amps, like every now and again, one will show up on Reverb for like uh, less than two grand because it is like a small. It's one dude. It's a small company. Uh, we'll definitely link below, and you guys can check them out. But uh, I, I just I get the oh, I get this like. Itch to buy it, but I don't. I don't need anything. I don't need anything I have right now. So
1: yep. yep, it's hard to justify it. Beautiful. So uh the Patreon chat a couple weeks ago was recommending um our unit of measure for dipping someone's rig as a shoil So I, man, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna give this. I have nothing to add. I have nothing to change here. I, I give it ten out of ten shoils Ten shoils Ten okay.
0: Hey, I I agree. I well. 9 out of 10 I would still have a delay pedal. Okay. I would still add a, like for me personally I would still have some.
1: Yeah, like yeah, pedal. okay. I can I could see that. So, so. I'm going to give it 9.5 out of 10 shoils. <laughs> Wood shoil. A shoiling. Sho- <laughs> <laughs> 9 shoils and a shoiling. <laughs> I think we should when we when we release our guitar brand, the, it should be um Shoils Fine Guitar Instruments. Just mm-hmm. one sentence, no punctuation, no nothing. No guitars fine, and instruments. Fine guitar instruments. Yeah, fine guitar instruments. <laughs> the implication being that they're fine. Not like uh, okay, fine, but like, yeah, they're fine.
0: Well, I, I don't even think I told you this. I bought shoyles.com, so it's <laughs> ours now. Because guess what? No one else was wanting to buy that. I'm, <laughs> except I'm sure. Except for people
1: in the Discord chat. Yeah, I, and you know, we should probably go ahead and lock down the Instagram if we haven't already. Because yeah, one of should. these clowns is going to probably try and jump on that. So they're going to mm-hmm. extort us for, um, I don't know. We don't really have money. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> pedals or something. <laughs> yeah. Stickers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we don't have either. We don't have that either. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So anyway, if you want to support. Sorry. If you want to dip geez, what is wrong with me today if you want to submit your rig to be dipped there we go on the That's podcast it. you can do so by joining our patreon and uh emailing us at the email address which is here so yeah Oop, right there boy i butchered the hell out of that okay That's next <laughs> next segment what are we talking about today zatch so i think today well,
0: I, I I sent you a text and you were like cool, and then I sent you an email and it just further confused you. But I thought we should cover our five favorite recorded guitar sounds, um, and and this is, and when I say favorite, I mean like favorite at the moment because I, I don't think you and I could possibly pin down five that are like the end all be all forever. Amen. Yes. Um, but five that really spoke to us at a time or speaking or speaking to us right now.
1: Done. All right, go first.
0: Okay. So should we just go back and forth or should I just do yeah, my yeah, five? Let's just, and... No,
1: let's just go back and forth.
0: Okay. So the first one I thought of was time by Pink Floyd. Oh
1: yeah. Well, Especially which part? The, so- the solo?
0: More or less the solo, but okay. I do th- I mean the whole, the, all of dark side of the moon is just a masterclass in just electric guitar. I feel like yep. Um, it really spoke to me when I was, you know, a younger player as to how to really incorporate delay and fuzz and, and modulation into one cohesive thing. But the solo from time specifically is dare I say one of the most perfect combinations of effects and and playing that, that 100% fit in the song. And I mean, I mean, do
1: you agree? Do you disagree? Oh God. Yeah. I mean, the solo tone from time is like a, uh, it's, it's a watermark guitar sound for me in terms of what I want to go for and trying to, to get right. Because Gilmore was using, um,
0: I mean, I, he used a couple of guitars when he was recording, uh, dark side, he had some custom thing that actually had the highest, um, like, a, an extra fret so he could get up there for, I think the solo for money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I believe that that was his black strat that he you know he played it live at Pompeii and all that um, before probably before the switch and all those things got added to it just that black '70s strat. Mm-hmm. Um, he's using a Univibe, a fuzzface, and a Benson Echo Rec, and that's I mean apart from any studio gear that they had after the fact, that's probably it. Maybe some reverb
1: right and we should address the studio thing because i feel like this concept gets lost on some people when talking about guitar sounds and everything right Mm. um this really came up when in the van halen van halen passed away last year and talking about the brown sound and everything a lot of what you're hearing on a record is not just the sound coming out of the amp speakers or in some cases may not even be using an amp a lot of it is coming from the mix process the eq the compression to make it fit in the mix you know, and so I think you have to keep that in mind if you're trying to replicate a sound in real life. You have to take into account the post EQ, the post compression, things like that, because they are, you know, engineers aren't just taking, in most cases, the direct sound from the cabinet, just dropping it in the mix and going, OK, that's fine. Next, you know, there's, there's some sure. work that needs to happen.
0: Yeah. So that's that's one of my favorite recorded guitar sounds and will be forever. So.
1: Nice, yeah. Good what pick, about, good pick. Yeah. What about you? All right, my first one is going to be the edge, specifically solo on New Year's Day. Okay, that's one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. It's one of those things that I just think it's perfect for the song. It's the right feel. It's the right tone. It's the right notes. Um, now I believe it was his Les Paul, um, on the record could be wrong on that chat can correct me if i'm wrong but similar to time the solo on time it's that really just upper mid focused grinding sustained super compressed from the overdrive and distortion that's coming from the amp um kind of lead sound that you can tell just by listening to it it's that you know you the kind of lead sound you can lean on You know what I mean? We've all kind of felt that right where you you get your amp right. You're getting that that clipping and that sustain and that compression. And it feels like you can really just lean into what the amp is giving you. And if you're in the room with the amp and it starts to interact with the guitar and the pickups and everything, that's like the sweet spot. And uh, yeah, it just it fits so well in that song.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people because I hear people kind of rag on the edge, you know, for just being like totally reliant on his effects. And I mean, he does use effects to create music, which is totally valid, but I mean, the the riffs and his ability to create a cohesive idea on the guitar and make a song that like is memorable, has a hook, uh, you know, a musical hook that sticks in your brain, you know, for a week is is should not be overlooked he's an incredible musician
1: yeah in in my opinion he's one of the best guitar players of the last 50 years and yeah. I I have little patience for people that will comment and say edge is so overrated edge sucks it's like no dude he doesn't he right. absolutely doesn't now it's subjective you may not like you too totally fair right. you may not like the edges guitar playing totally fair but I think it's completely unfair and unfounded to say things like he sucks no man
0: I mean, he's definitely up there with the players that influenced a generation to come. Uh, and without, you know, that whole sound, would we have, you know, so many other bands that came afterward, you know, mm-hmm. afterwards. Uh, and, and <clears throat> I mean, like most, anything that's using multiple delays to me, I think owes some, uh, Credit to to what he did as far as like creating those sort of layered sounds.
1: Yep, we certainly wouldn't, wouldn't we certainly wouldn't have CCM without the edge. That's for sure.
0: Exactly. That's what I was skirting around saying it.
1: <laughs> Don't be afraid. Just you can say All right. it. All right. All right. What's um, uh, what's next for you?
0: So these are in no particular order, but um, my favorite ZZ Top song, and this might surprise some people, but I think it has the most uh, interesting tones in it. Is I'm bad I'm nationwide which mm. is off the I can never pronounce that it's a trumpet call in spanish and I don't I I don't speak spanish well.
1: Um You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> shocker.
0: I mean do you do you know how to say it? No. Okay, well okay. <laughs> Making me feel bad. <laughs> okay, Well, um, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> but that song I I who knows what guitars he was using? I mean myth Say, myths say that he used um, pearly on. Like every studio album has pearly on it, um, but you can totally tell when he's using strats and other stuff mixed in. But that song um, has so many great tones, and the solo kind of goes back and forth between uh, two different sounds. And they like they definitely sound like Billy, but they're they're so uh, different from one another, and they complement uh, the song so well. And it's such a unique, um, like an, a unique solo. It's it's very much not like just your straightforward pentatonic like thing. He's like doing really funky stuff. And um, if you've never really like paid attention and listened to it, it, it's one of those songs that you should really dive into and and just check it out.
1: I I completely agree. I love Billy Gibbons playing and his sound. I mean, now I'm not as well versed on on ZZ Top sounds as you are. Um, but you know, Jesus just left Chicago. Um, th- that one in particular sticks out to me for the same kind of thing you were, you were just talking about. It's so vocal sounding like that guitar sound, just, it sounds like a vocalist to me. And that's something that really, um, it's sort of a common thread with a lot of the songs and sounds, uh, and guitar players that I truly love is players that can emulate the human voice really well. Um, right in their own way. And I think Gibbons does that super well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, especially the early stuff. I mean, he's definitely got a really cool blues voice, you know, a singing voice. And he grew up just idolizing all the most classic blues men. And you hear that in his, in his singing, but also in his playing and how he's paying homage to those players. Because Billy like ZZ top as a whole is not, the same band that they were. And Mm -hmm. I think anybody who's seen them in the past number of years could attest to that. But if you really want to hear what they were all about, get on YouTube and pull up some of the bootleg live recordings because it's, it's so special. And his playing and his tone is, I mean, it's, it's some of my favorite guitar sounds I've ever heard. And I, uh, I I just love that track. And I think it's a super fun, like ZZ top track. It's not, it's not as common, you know, it's not just Jesus just left Chicago. It's not just, just got paid. It's, it's a more interesting, there's more interesting guitar sounds in that song.
1: So speaking of interesting guitar sounds, my next pick is somewhat, uh, I guess something you wouldn't expect from me, but, um, uh, recently I've been listening to animals as leaders quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And, I'm going to put Tosin Abassi, um on there, specifically the song uh, Cafo. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Cafo. C-A-F-O. That song really sticks out to me just in general because uh, while it's not typically my wheelhouse of songs that I typically get into, uh, it grooves so hard. Um, if you haven't listened to it, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I need to check it out. It's it's out there, at least for me as a you basically boomer guitarist trapped in a millennial's body, but I really dig it. I really, really dig it. And specifically Tosin, what he's doing on guitar, um, at least from someone like my perspective, who's sort of on the outside of that scene kind of looking in, he's one of the guys to me that I think is really pushing guitar forward and guitar sounds and where a, a guitar's role in that style of music and uh what he's doing with using plugins i have his um neural dsp plugin that, that i've been right. kind of messing around with and just going through his presets it's like he's doing some insanely cool things that i would never think to do with blending di sounds along with like a clean reverb and delay and then blending you know di with with some crazy distortion even the distortion sounds he's getting are voiced in a way that is totally alien to me just because of the styles of guitars that we play being completely different and the styles of playing being completely different um but yeah i just i think this the guitar sound on cafo and if i'm pronouncing it wrong i'm sorry um <laughs> to me just really stands out as something that really grabbed my ear really pulled me into the song the play it highlighted the playing really well you could tell you know sort of the articulation of the things he was going for there it's Really, really cool to me. I dig it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, good. just kind of springboarding off that, another song that had a, or yeah, a song that had a big impact on me and a band that did too in high school. Um, when I first heard about them was The Strokes, and I'll never forget seeing the video for Last Night, which was their first single, I, I believe, off their first record. Um, like it was so different from what I had been listening to. And, you know, it's it's indie guitar sort of, you know, thing at at, at its finest, in my opinion. It's, it's like two guitar players playing uniquely different sounds. And uh, the video was live, which I thought was really cool. Because at the end, they, like, knock over the drum kit. And it's like, you can hear the, like, cymbals yeah. going away and stuff. But I that made a big impact on me for not just trying to play pentatonic scales and have like those classic sounds like doing something so different. And I mean, like they recorded that album themselves and used pretty standard, you know, gear. It's not anything crazy or outlandish, but it's like, it, it was a kind of shock to my system to do something a little different that still spoke to me. Uh, you know, the, the music and stuff still spoke to me. And, um, I still to this day, I enjoy the strokes. So.
1: Yeah. Nice. Nice, I I don't listen to the Strokes a lot, so that's that's I don't have something to add to that. But, um, kind of piggybacking off of that sort of idea for me, my next one would be Young the Giant, and I'm trying to hone in on a specific song, something off their first record, I think. Um, either like My Body, which is their big hit single off of that first record, or um, Apartment was really, really cool. Joe Ciccarelli, I believe, produced that first record for them. And the guitar work on well, all the Young the Giant stuff is great. Right. Uh, but specifically that first record, the sounds that the band and, and Chiccarelli got together and the mix and everything, it is so polished and so dialed in. And if you listen to it on a good pair of cans or something or a good system, like it, it just feels fantastic the mix is so dialed in the guitars and the guitar playing in terms of the arrangements and the parts that they're playing and the tones that they're using for those songs are so dialed in young the giants one of my favorite bands the last 10 years um because of that first record you know right yeah
0: i i dove into them uh, over like the over last year i mean because i knew um you know cough syrup and some of the other like songs and like, I enjoyed them, but I never really like stopped to listen to them. And, um, uh, man, I, I've fallen in love with them, but mainly like, it's funny. Like I listen to them and I just listen and enjoy it. And I'm not really like focusing in on the guitar. Cause it is such a cohesive, like the songs are so cohesive and the mix and everything is just like, it, it, it's just great music to listen to. And I mean, and the, and the songs are fantastic. You know, the content of the songs is fantastic. Um, but, I need to go back and actually pay attention. Cause I, that, man, that's the hardest thing about all this. Like there are, there's brilliance in so much music that kind of, we overlook because you have to really listen for it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree, man. It, and that's what I love about albums. I've found out about myself recently that like, uh, it takes me even with an artist I love it takes me six months to a year to, to kind of step in and listen to a new record. So like Jason Isbell and the 400 unit, they put out a new record last year and I haven't really listened to it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why that is. I think hmm, it might be an interesting psychological discussion, but I just, when, it, when uh, one of my favorite bands put something new out, I, I don't want to jump on it early. Um, but right. that young, the giant stuff, All their records, man, they they have a cohesive feel. They have an arc to them. The guitar work, the songwriting, the production on them is uh, amazing. That band really is like a benchmark for me in terms of playing, writing, production, the whole thing. Like If you could make a record that feels as good and sounds as good as anything Young the Giant does, I think you are uh, successful.
0: Right, yeah. Man, I could talk about all sorts of bands like that that really um – have inspired me, but that, that, that we kind of, <laughs> we'd be getting off the rails a little bit. Um, just, uh, so we have two more, uh, right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, or whatever. Okay. We can go as long as we want. Who cares? We make right. the rules. <laughs> we, this is so, our show, Zach.
0: I know. I know. I know. Uh, so I'll save one of my favorites for last. The next one is catch a train by free, which have you ever heard that song? Mm-mm. So I I only have found, like, live-ish recordings. I I mean, they may have been doing it in a studio live, but it's a pretty, like, rough-and-tumble recording. But um, Free and Paul Kossoff, uh, amazing. Uh, Paul Kossoff's guitar work uh, rivals any of the guitar heroes of, of yesteryear. And Free as a band was so just phenomenal. But that song in particular, it's it, it's 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 a real driving song, of you know, catch a train, obviously. But like his guitar work, it's kind of just like sitting in the background. And it's just him tearing shit up with his Les Paul into who knows whatever Marshall uh just cranked. And a lot of free stuff is kind of it sounds like they really rolled off the high end. But this one, it's really clear and precise and the tone that he has on that is in the camp of like quintessential humbucker guitar sounds that if you've never listened to it, just give it a Google. You know, it's worth
1: <laughs> checking out. Give it a Google, man. Come give on. Give it a Google. Just get You're on never that, gonna get on that Google box and give it a Google.
0: So Casey, who's rig we dipped in the discord says he literally has it in his record player right now because it's just,
1: I mean, isn't that serendipitous? Hey, hey, man. Hey, man. Just get on that Google box, man, and give it a Google.
0: (laughs) Get a Google box. (laughs) That's another one of their failed uh, uh, devices. They tried to launch the Google box. The Google Ah.
1: box. It's... (laughs) I got
0: the Google Stadia, which I got suckered into believing that would work, and it,
1: <laughs> it never did. I love when people put the in front of stuff. Oh yeah, I was on the Google. I I looked it up on the Google the other day, and and you know I didn't, I couldn't find that recipe that uh, old Char- uh, Charlene was talking about for that banana oh. bread, but uh, maybe I just didn't use the Google right.
0: I I I'm gonna come to regret this, but my poor wife, <laughs> um, she tries to google stuff like she's already looked something up and then she closes and closes the browser and then goes back to try to find it again and can never find it and she's like why it was just there i'm like honey that's not <laughs> and she gets so mad at me at the internet <laughs> so, you know it's part of marriage what i guess the hell is wrong with this damn google i found it earlier oh, there was a <laughs> Morgan when I looked for like skis, I, I I thought you know I'd see all the skis I saw earlier.
1: <laughs> I just tried to Google what the best skis were with the best rating. I'm looking for child's water skis because we're trying to get ready for the uh, upcoming summer season, and I just figured because it's January, we might find a good deal on some skis f- for for the kids. But I can't find the uh, damn thing again. Man, I looked no, it up sh- on Dick's Sporting Goods website,
0: <laughs> and now it's out of stock. And now they're so out pissed of off. stock.
1: I told you I should I should have bought them yesterday when I had them in the in the cart.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is not what my my wife. (laughs) Yeah, Morgan doesn't
1: sound like that at all.
0: (laughs) She's from Maryland, so she says like home and stuff like that.
1: Anyway, Uh, Tilly's from California, and when the Californians thing was happening on SNL, I used Mm -hmm. to give her so much shit for that. She's like, "Oh, does that remind you of your homeland?" The Californians. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> it is funny though, but when because when you visit, when I've like hung out with her family, it's not that like stereotypical, but they're all from California. So they do kind of have that sort of L.A. kind of thing, <laughs> right? Gosh. Okay. And then I'm like a specimen to them. Cause I'm from the South, but I don't really have a Southern accent. Like you don't sound like you're from the South. It's like, yeah, yeah we don't all sound like, you know, like that. So I'm sorry. Yep. Yep. What were we, what were we talking about?
0: So I think I was on number four with, oh, with yeah. free catch a train. So I don't know where you got to. <laughs> Did you get one?
1: <laughs> Is I it know, your turn? And I forgot what my next one was. Uh, Oh, I got it. Here we go. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Tom Mish, um, specifically the record that he did with Youssef days last year there's a single on that record called night rider the record's called what kind of music and i think it was one of the singles called night rider and uh the guitar sound on that song is dirty it is Uh, so modulated like and there's this cool stereo slapback delay thing happening and he's just playing like I think it's like a major seven or major nine chord just kind of going, you know, a half step apart. It's a real simple guitar part, but just the tone, the modulation and it's, it's a stereo kind of just very seasick warbly kind of soupy guitar sound. And then, you know, it layers in Yusuf days, the drummer, his, his drum sounds are so tight and, and dry and in the pocket. And those two elements just meld so well together. Song slaps super hard. If you haven't heard it, um, yeah, you should check it out. Night rider by Tom Mish and Yusuf. It's slaps.
0: I don't I don't understand like these the terms that the children are using. I'm trying to days.
1: keep us relevant with that 18 to 24 demo, you know what I mean?
0: I guess. Yeah. Our demographic is like old and older. So
1: <laughs> we're in the 34 and up category. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got
0: a 401k, you know, I I got these. Things.
1: All the Gen Xers uh, watching us are like, man, just talk about the killers. Right.
0: Oh man. I need to check it out. Cause I remember you, we mentioned him on like episode, I don't know, like two or three or something. And I started listening to it and then I like
1: just forgot,
0: which is how <laughs> it's like yeah. my normal day. It's like, Oh, that's cool. And then I just like walk away. Yep. And,
1: <laughs> man, that's great. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> what was I listening <laughs> to?
0: And that's the worst for me. Cause I get a lot of people send me messages like, uh, like some people will like send me really cool videos of them like using my stuff, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I will definitely check it out, and then I forget, and like heaven forbid, it's in an Instagram story because if I don't get to it, then it's gone, gone forever. You know, it's like I'm, I'm the worst. Um, but you lastly, are the worst. I know, I know, I am. Uh, of the five, one of my favorite guitar sounds is by one of my favorite guitar players, Mister Jimi Hendrix, and it's manic depression. And I think the single coil fuzziness just that whole thing it is it's one of the coolest sounding strat recordings ever like you can you can totally hear that that is a a strat with a fuzz face rolled back because it has that sound and it's great it's fantastic
1: and the the part is so good the man it swings just the right amount oh god yeah i i've intentionally like left out on this list you know all of my true like core heroes because that's we talk about that shit all the time so but i totally agree manic depression is one of my favorite hendrix songs ever um and i think it's somewhat undersung you know people don't really think about it when they think about hendrix but yeah i love it I, i the
0: Spanish castle magic and manic depression are my, my favorite Hendrix tunes. And because like the riffs are so great, it there's, there's such, such a well thought out song. And, um and I, man, I don't know. And, and I was, I was the same way. I was thinking, oh, what, what, what things could I tell people about that? I really love that they may not have heard of or something. But then when I started to like sit down and write it down, I was like, I can't think of anything that, that means more to me than these sort of things. And, You know,
1: man, have you ever heard Jimi Hendrix? You got to check him out, dude.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever heard of this guy?
1: Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy. It was so cool because he spelled his name. J. I. M. I. How rad is that, dude?
0: Right. That's that's like the name when someone said Jimmy at Starbucks and they just try to write it real fast is how they would spell it.
1: Uh, Dude, I have so many horror stories of. Well, what's the name? Rhett. Brett. (laughs) Rhett. Oh, Rex. No. And then you get the cup and it says like Rachel. Right. <laughs> so that's what YouTube calls me every time I start one of my videos.
0: Oh uh, man. I, I love seeing and if you guys ever see any of the auto uh generated closed <laughs> captioning for us that is funny, please screen please post cap it, it and send it to I me. I love it. Cause it is hilarious.
1: Yeah, the the Hendrix thing is huge for me. Um he was you know, I've talked about this a ton, but he was really the catalyst when I was a kid that got me into guitar. I was hearing him and hearing those sounds that was like, what is that? I need to do that. Um, and, and it was honestly like it was the playing, but it was also the the tones. And I think that has, at least for me, been a constant thing uh, throughout my sort of journey as a musician, which is like, I'm not so much interested in virtuosity in playing. I'm more so interested in the craft and all things that surround it. So I'm interested in, you know, the song, like, give me a song, give me, give me something that's produced. Well, that sounds really good. Give me a, a guitar sound. That's intriguing. That's, that's really cool. Um, in fact, these days, most of what I'm listening to when I'm listening to music is drum sounds. Like I really, right. really focus in on drum sounds now, like snares and kicks and trying to figure out like, how did they do that? How'd they record it? What kind of kit is that? All that stuff. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So did you, no, you I, got, one I think more? I got one more. You got one more. And I'm trying to think of it right now. Cause unlike okay. you, I didn't prep for this at all. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's so many that, that come to mind for me in terms of like Derek trucks. Right. Anything Derek Trucks has played to me is probably one of my favorite sounds ever. Um, Robin Ford's a big one for me, right? That classic right. Dumble, Robin Ford thing. I saw him last March in Atlanta, one of the last shows I saw before the shutdown. And that's some of the best guitar tone I've ever heard live. Um, sure. But if I had to go with one, I'm going to go completely different and say dan auerbach of the black okay. keys and i'm gonna say i got mine if you know yep. that song it's off of uh, i can't remember thick what freakness thick freakness i think or uh it's off the off look- like third or fourth record i can't remember i'll which look one. it up so there's a reason for this um and it has less to do with dan uh and more to do with pat the drummer um and the oh. store all right <laughs> dun, 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 uh, it's dun, dun. on a attack and release attack and release great album title by the way yes they were probably like just looking at a compressor in the studio i'm like oh that'll work attack and release <laughs> sounds sweet um uh, so sorry my phone's going off oh. um first of all i love fuzz fuzz is like a huge part of my sound you know that i'm a big fuzz nerd the, the guitar sound on that song in particular is just, it's the right amount of raw and aggressive, but it's not too much and, and layered in with Pat's drums and stuff, it, and the riff is so heavy. It's like, yeah. Sounds great. Um, but, I'm picking that specifically because um, a couple of years ago, one of the artists I play with, Jesse Wilson, uh, her first solo record was co-written and produced by Pat Carney. And through that whole process of playing with Jesse and touring with Jesse, I got to work um, with Pat some through like the rehearsal process and kind of putting the live show together. And that's one of the most formative experiences I've had as a guitar player because he taught me a lot about how I play now. And and I'm trying to think of how to word this. Basically the first few times he came in to the rehearsals with us and i was playing the parts that were on the record um he basically told me you're not playing this right this doesn't sound right and as a result the band doesn't sound right (laughs) and it was really nerve-wracking and stressful at first um because it's like oh man this guy's half of one of my favorite bands of all time and he's telling me that i'm I'm fucking this up basically (laughs) right but it ended up being great because he kind of explained something to me about jesse's record and about the sounds that they were going for there was an intentionality there with the guitar playing and the sounds on the record that it wasn't supposed to be perfect it wasn't supposed to be played well so to speak and if you listen to you know like dan arabox a fantastic guitar player but if you listen to a lot of like their influences like not i don't know, pick keith richards for example objectively keith richards is not like a great guitar player his playing is kind of rough and sloppy and kind of shitty but it works and it's such a huge part of the stones sound that you know if you put george harrison in the stones it would not right (laughs) it just wouldn't it wouldn't work and that was the lesson i learned from pat was sometimes if the song calls for it you kind of have to like he literally told me in rehearsal, he's like, yep, yeah, dude, fuck it up. You're playing too clean. Like right? you're playing it right. I want you to fuck it up and play it worse. And it right. worked. Yeah. Uh,
0: the bass player in my old band, his name's Ben. And he's one of my like oldest friends. He, when we would play together, he's like, you just, you got to play worse. He told me, he used to tell me that. And I was like, what, why? He's like, cause shitty is pretty. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And he sent me this article that was titled that. And it was about like all, um, a lot of Motown and like early, like funk recordings and how it's like the guitars, if you listen to them themselves, don't sound great. And mm-hmm. the parts are kind of weird right. on their own, but in the song, it makes sense. And so I totally get that. And when he told me that and I started like listening, it's like, Oh, okay. And I, 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 I totally fall victim to like, I got to play this right. Um, but what I do is I just don't learn it, yeah, uh, and then you're fine, you're like, okay well, it's an a, so I got it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it it's uh it's a weird lesson to learn, and it, it but I'm glad I did because now when I'm playing with um with the band, and we are a lot of that the sound that we're going for with the band comes from from that same kind of place of like, yeah, I don't, I don't want this to sound super like dialed and in the pocket and like all the notes are played super clean and, and like, right. Right. Um, it, you, you kind of need to fuck it up a little bit. And when you get there to me, at least for what I think is, is cool. It sounds better.
0: Right. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree.
1: Yeah. And, and then seeing the black keys live, like it, it makes less, I would put Jack white in that camp too right? Mm -hmm. Jack, Jack White's guitar playing, which I love, um, is sort of chaotic and rough in, in the context of a band. Like he has that vibrato thing, right? That real kind of fast, nervous vibrato. Yeah. Yeah. Which on its own sounds kind of weird. And it's like, I don't know about that. But then when you hear like, so I'm a huge Tours fan. Yeah. Love the Tours. Like, holy shit. I love that band so much. Um, and a big part of that is Jack White's guitar sound, you know, Sure. That's just kind of chaotic and crazy and weird. I, I love it so much.
0: Yeah, I, I I have a love-hate relationship with that style of vibrato thing. You know, I think some people do it really well. Like Nels Klein can kind of have like a really horrible vibrato that works in the yeah. context of a song. But anytime I hear that by itself or like in a YouTube demo of something, I'm right. like, please <laughs> don't do that. You just want to like slap the hand off the guitar. <laughs>
1: vibrato is one of those things man that like i totally agree it depends on the context um and and vibrato is very personal it's kind of like a sonic fingerprint i think everyone's vibrato sounds different which is cool
0: yeah oh yeah totally
1: um but yeah i kind of agree like the super kind of nervous out of tune real fast thing it's like no no no
0: yeah it it very much irks me yeah yeah man um well do you want to touch on the Gibson Mesa Boogie thing. Oh, real quick yeah, we were gonna we talk close. about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's touch on that.
0: Real quick. So you tell the the fine people listening at home, they already know, but
1: yeah. So if you <laughs> don't know by this point, Gibson purchased Mesa Boogie. Um they acquired Mesa Boogie mm. and found it in a dark room. It. Home it's with- like, Oh man, this is sweet. I need to have <laughs> this. I'll add this to my collection.
0: <laughs>
1: um and yeah, it's, it's coming down to mixed emotions and reactions on the Internet. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are saying like, oh, well, there goes Mesa. And I, I'm I'm glad I bought mine when I did because quality is going to go down the hill uh, and, and it's going to be like there's pre-Gibson era Mesa and post-Gibson era Mesa and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I don't. I mean, like. I don't know all the ins and outs. Like if they're moving production, is they're going to like, you know, is, is everyone that was working at Mesa Boogie now, like out of a job because they're going to move production here or something. Um, I mean, I, if, if they're making the amps and they're making them the same way, um, with the same components and the same people with the same quality control because Mesa Boogie, whether you love them or hate them, they make fantastic. Their quality is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like there's no question about that uh i don't think it matters you know it's like arguing about like an american made or a mexican made fender blues jr it's the same thing like it's just made in a different place um i don't think it matters all that much personally
1: yeah. with that right right so i i would i would tend to agree um i don't have a dog in this fight at all you know i'm right. not a mesa boogie player particularly i mean i've i've played some of their amps in the past but you know, I guess most of their flagship stuff is not really like my thing. Like a dual rectifier is not my kind of amp, or a Mark V or whatever. Um, I know they make more than that, but all, suffice <laughs> to say, I've just I've I've Mesa Boogie has never been the amp brand for me that I've like gravitated towards. You know, sure. Um, but I I am a Gibson guy. I like Gibson guitars. Um, regardless of who's running the company, I just like Les Pauls and SGS and three thirty fives. Right, yep. and uh, we've talked about this before. I really want to see Gibson amps make a comeback. Right. Like, and I want to see it done well and done right. I want to see like a reissue of a 63, 64 GA five T. I want to see a GA 40, you know, it's mid sixties GA 40 reissue that looks right. That sounds right. That's built well. And is a reasonable price. Um, Right. Yes. And You know, I I have talked to some of the people at Gibson about this in the past. Um, You know, I think their intention with buying Mesa Boogie, I didn't know about the Mesa Boogie deal going down until...
0: I I think it was kind of a surprise to most of us.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, But I do know that they have some intentions of bringing Gibson amps back. And so their intention of buying a company like Mesa Boogie, I think, was a smart one. It was a smart business move. Because as far as I understand Mesa was kind of on the ropes financially Mm. Um, and Gibson, rather than trying to tool up from scratch and, and build a whole new department of research and design and and development and manufacturing and shipping and everything based around amps. It makes sense to purchase a company that already has that whole infrastructure built and proven over what 40 something years now. How old is Mesa? Yeah.
0: Oh, the um, late seventies for sure. Uh, or mid seventies, probably. I don't. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. But, but you're right. That I mean, I think. I think it's a smart move. Um, I, I, I was doing a live stream earlier today, actually, and people are saying I just don't want to see like a Gibson branded, you know, dual rectifier, and like that's not what they're gonna do. Yeah, they. they... Um, yeah, and 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 people are also saying, uh, to kind of, you know, reflect what you were saying earlier, they'd love to see Gibson reissue amps, but they just don't want them to be so. Uh, they want to be priced accordingly because they don't want to be able to buy a vintage Gibson for less than a reissue. But there is, you know, there's something about that. Like, I, I've played a lot of Gibson amps, I've seen a lot of them. They're not the most robust thing. It's not like a Fender. Um, you know, Fender had, they were making, they were making tons of amps. Like, people think about vintage Fenders being like these rare pieces, like yeah, brown face and before kind of black face and onward. There were thousands of them. They were making, so many of them, um, and they had it down to a science. Gibson, were, you know, it was not their bread and butter. So, I would like to see them kind of revisit their their heritage in that respect, like making quality amps that just do that thing. And a lot of people that you know, we were talking, I was talking to on my live stream, said you know they'd love to see it kind of go in a Supra way, which I mm-hmm. think would be really smart for Gibson to kind of have Mesa with their. Their engineering background and their design know-how to make a, a GA40, to make a GA8 or GA5 or some GA5T that is within reach of everybody and sounds great because the Supro amps, some of them sound better than others, but on the whole, I'd mm-hmm. say they're they're pretty great for the money. They're not expensive,
1: dude, and they're and they look right. They, that's exactly right. That's, I think I would put Magnatone in that camp as well. Um, a right. different price bracket than Supro, but still same kind of thing, like old brand established brand from the sixties that has been brought back under new leadership and ownership and manufacturing, but looks like the old stuff sounds like the old stuff. I completely agree. They should, they should absolutely be looking to Supro as an example of what to do. And I agree. Like a lot of, uh, friends of mine in Nashville play those Supro amps and they gig with them. They're the perfect amp for a gigging working guitar player because they're the right price, you know they're not crazy expensive they're they're well built from what i understand they sound yeah. good the only one that i've spent r- serious time with was the comet i think it was the 112 and i did not like that amp it was voiced right. entirely way too dark um but that could be fixed with a speaker change or a tone stack change but the other stuff that i've played that friends of mine have sound really good i've heard good things about the black magic so right yeah i think if gibson is smart um which Look, I think the new leadership at Gibson with JC and and Cesar and and all those guys. It's they've had a mixed uh, bag of results since taking over Gibson. On the one hand, they keep doing these stupid PR things like, you know, running over the firebird X's and, and the play authentic thing, which they'll never live down. As long as the internet's a thing, never live. No. down. Yeah. That's, that's and forever. Rightfully. So that was not a, that was stupid. Um, but I think on the whole, whether or not people on the internet want to admit it, I think they've done the right thing with the brand in terms of guitars, specifically Epiphone. Like yeah. they've gotten Epiphone's QC and everything back up, to snuff where it needs to be They've they've got a bunch of models that are really cool like they, they're bringing the casino back to the states which is really cool and same thing with gibson usa i think a lot of their uh qc problems that people have dogged them for and rightfully so i think they are addressing and and working out yeah. so i think if they take that same sort of approach if i was on the board of gibson i'd walk into that boardroom and i'd say okay listen don't touch mesa boogie let them do their thing, let them keep the same people, which I think they're planning on doing from what I understand um, let them do their own development, their their stuff just be the money and 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 treat it like a you know a shadow investor. you're just pumping into that pumping money into that company to keep it afloat. yeah. then use their resources to get your Gibson amps off the ground and produced and distributed. and yeah, I think if you do that, it'll be it'll be a hit. I think
0: you saying magnetone was like, I I kind of forgot because magnetone that that's the benchmark because even more than Supro, magnetone are, they're made here in the States. They're not they're They're islet board turret board. Like they're serious construction and they're not all that expensive. I think they're relatively reasonable for what you're getting. Yeah. And that's what they need to do. And I think, you know, that would be a really smart move. And like people tend to, kind of shit on Mesa Boogie and like I've, I've been victim of that. Cause I, uh, I, I don't like the dual rectifier. I don't mm-hmm. like the, the, the amps that have more switches than the Apollo 11, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I will say though, having played a lot of Mesa Boogies over the years, the Mark series, especially the early ones, some of the best guitar sounds ever, like mm. they're incredible. And like, some of the even the the more feature laden ones. I played a Express like 525 Plus at Guitar Center and I was like, I should buy this. This sounds amazing. And it was cheap. You know, yeah. I don't know. So I, I think I, I think it's a smart move. I think uh, that as long as Mesa Boogie can keep being Mesa Boogie, you're right. If they take over like the development of what Gibson should do, as long as they do it in the right way, this could be a really good move for them as a as a company.
1: Yep. And again, man, I I'm of the mind that I want to see these companies succeed because of what they've done for guitar and music in the past. Gibson has been an iconic company and has helped shape some of our favorite music. And as a result of that, I don't care who's running the company. I don't care any about any of that shit. I just want to see that company succeed because I like the guitars. I like the players that have used those guitars over the over the years same thing with mesa boogie i mean now again i'm not a huge mesa boogie fan but you can't deny the fact that like as a legacy that company has built something really really powerful and amazing and they've done it in america and and they've done their own unique thing and and i want to see that company stay around and succeed because i think that's really cool and at the end of the day it's only good for guitar players man it's it's you know it's yeah, right. I
0: I, I, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, like uh, some of the most important guitar sounds growing up for me were Mesa Boogie. Uh, like it, it, when I was a teenager, and like the music that I was just like getting into at that time.
1: Um, big deal. Big, big deal. deal. big deal. Big deal. Big freaking deal. Big freaking deal. All right. Well, we this won't be the last time we talk about this. I'm sure. Um, right. You know, it'll come up again. Anyways, uh, shill of the week, Zachary. Okay. What are we? Uh, what are you talking about?
0: Well, you know, I had honestly forgot. This week was weird. Let's just, you know, let's admit it. But um, the first thing I thought of, and this is something that we haven't talked about yet. I hate strap locks. Like the ones that you have to screw into your guitar. I hate them. I think they're uh, dumb and they have failed me. But you know what has never failed me? What's that? These little... Yep. Focus.
1: There it is. Grolsch locks.
0: little Grolsch... And this is not even a Grolsch. I don't even know what this is. But you can buy these from... Um, so what, what I'm holding up is a Grolsch uh, bottle washer thing. It's just a rubber washer that goes on a beer bottle with a ceramic like swing lid. And you can use these over a strap button. Most people know this. But what they don't know is that you can buy these in bulk on like eBay or Amazon from beer bottle people who sell these for... <laughs> No money, and you can have more than you'll ever need. And what I did when I first discovered this, and this was before anyone was ever selling them individually in like packs of two and stuff, I bought a hundred of them, and I took like a big, like twenty or whatever, and like or more, and like set them aside. And the rest, I sold them on eBay for like five bucks a piece, and I made so much money. And I bought like all hundred for like ten dollars, so it was like (laughs) it was a really good move. But these, I love these things, and I I try to keep every. It, it, even if I have some, like I try to keep them on the strap button on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Throw a couple in your case. Every case, have yep. them, buy them, just get them on eBay or Amazon. Don't buy the Fender ones,
1: especially Les Pauls. They're great for the yes. front strap because that that strap button on a Les Pauls at that angle, so the strap kind of pulls at the the button a little bit. And the Gibson strap buttons are like yep. microscopic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> yep. I, I, one of the things I love the most about that PRS I have is that the strap button is, it's like a quarter, you know, like sometimes it's hard to even get a strap on it, but once it's on there, it's not going anywhere, but on a Les Paul, especially a reissue, um, cause I don't know what like a standard production Les Paul has, but like my R9, uh, has got one of those little teeny tiny fifties strap buttons on
1: it. Yep. Yep. So. Nice. Um, yeah, I think the the move is to not overpay for them because like Fender, you can buy them at like Guitar Center and stuff, Fender branded ones or whatever. And you're yeah. if you're buying Fender ones, you're overpaying. We'll try
0: to link some in the description if I find them on Amazon or
1: something. Yeah, or if you're a beer guy, just go go grab a six pack of Grolsch and there yeah, you
0: go. get some skunky beer. Some have, skunky, have a good a good night.
1: Is it Dutch? I think Grolsch is Dutch. I have no idea. Um, awesome. Okay, my shill of the week is a pedal. yeah um, <gasps> It's a pedal that I bought this week ah! based off of an Instagram ad that I saw. Ah! Oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. I got got by an Instagram ad. Oh uh, yeah. I need to start doing those. Yeah. Well, it worked on me. So yeah, I probably do. Anyway, this is the, uh, let me make sure I get this in the shot. So this is a, a relatively new company, uh, Heather Brown Electronics, the, the blessed mother overdrive. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, have never heard of Heather Brown or, or her pedals before, but was intrigued by a couple of things. One, the pedal looks cool. It's got a volume yeah. control, drive control, treble and bass, and what's called the immaculator control, which is basically just a clean blend. Immaculator. Immaculator. Um, <laughs> I think the move the, the idea there is the immaculate conception sort of thing. Uh, um, also what's cool about this is when you power it up. So it's got uh, mother Mary. I guess that's her name. I'm not really versed on Bible stuff. Mary of Magdalene, Mary of Mary of Maryland on the thing. Um, but her halo above her head, when you power it on, has a bunch of little white lights in there and it lights up. That's kind of cool. Uh, And then when the pedals engage, there's like a red light in her heart right there. that lights up. Nice. So that's kind of nice. Um, but anyway, I was intrigued first of all by the pedal because it, from what I could tell, it's not like a straight ahead clone. Right. Um, of something or at least they're not advertising it as such on on her website you know a lot of times you will get over drives it'll say like oh this is my take on a tube screamer or whatever um sure and it just looked really interesting i like the clean blend control and the other thing i liked is there's uh you know women in the the pedal world in the gear world you know making a making yep. her way as in a new company apparently her story is i talked to josh scott about this uh, I believe she worked at uh electroharmonics for Mike Matthews for a long time he uh, all electroharmonics pedals uh, almost all of them were built by women oh I did not know that yeah wow it's pretty it's pretty crazy um is there a reason for that or it... I think he just loves women so okay well there you go <laughs> yeah you gotta watch it google
0: some of his videos they're uh, pretty hilarious
1: <laughs> well I've seen the one where he's like demoing a pedal he's playing he's got the cigar in his mouth and he's he's playing like whirly or something through it that was pretty pretty joyous
0: you got to do the factory tours it's 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 great
1: Uh, okay cool uh but anyway yeah i just thought it was cool there's not a lot of women pedal builders out there and i figured it might be a cool way to support she
0: she worked for keely supposedly
1: oh okay well i'm sorry i misspoke so i apologize i take that back um i could have sworn it was okay never mind anyway we'll see we'll see so uh, I started playing it the other day and it's really cool. Um, kind of a unique overdrive sound. The thing I like about it so far is the treble and bass control. What's the term for this act where you turn them up and they add gain.
0: Uh, uh, oh, the active. An okay. Active yeah. yeah. So like an
1: active EQ on the, yeah. on the, so you can get more or less gain, um, depending on where you've got the EQ set, which is cool. Yeah.
0: It may be like a back send all circuit. It's hard to say.
1: Sure. I don't. Yeah. Go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. By all means. Um, but yeah, cool pedal, I dig it. So uh, check them out, the Blessed Mother Overdrive from Heather Brown Electronics. Nice, and it's so it sounds good. Yeah, at least from my initial initial um, sort of playing, I haven't put it through its paces fully yet. But I was, and having the clean blend is nice actually, um, because you can if you've got a really gainy sound, a very mid-focused kind of sound, you can get back some of the transient of your note by blending in your guitar's clean signal if you're on the bl- the bridge pickup of uh, Les Paul or something like that. Right. Um, it's a cool feature. I like it.
0: So she works for both Mike Matthews and Robert. Okay. So so Calcidus so is like is is, <sighs> sh- is making us seem dumb. <sighs> Man, god. <laughs> I mean, we are, but Jesus. That's beside the point.
1: Um I'm getting downvoted in the Discord here too because of uh because of Calcidus. But uh <laughs> so yeah i i was like i swear i read that she worked for anyway it's beside the point now we know there we go all right well this has been fine
0: yeah it's been fine it's been
1: (laughs) not our best not our worst not our worst not yet not yet we haven't reached the bottom yet no no it's a long it's a long climb down it's a long climb down (laughs) (laughs) Uh well thanks everyone for listening and watching. You guys are great. Uh don't forget you want to support the ch- Oh we got merch. I've got plug the merch.
0: Yes, we have a Teespring store. Uh you can go check out all the designs. We're gonna be recycling uh we're well, not recycling, but changing up things every couple months. So, you know, get a <laughs> shirt. Like,
1: send us your old shirt. We'll resell it and we'll yeah. send you a new one. We'll wash it.
0: We'll like, we'll put it up on, on our on shoils.com <laughs> coming soon. And uh yeah.
1: One used dipped in tone shirt. How could you imagine? It's reliced.
0: A COVID laden dipped in toned shirt. There you go.
1: 2995. We could start selling reliced merch. Start hey. do it like putting in like fake pit stains and like kind of tear at the collar a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah, with add smells.
1: Oh yeah, dude. There you easy. go. Yeah. E- easy. Relict <laughs> merch coming uh soon from Shoyles Fine Guitar Instruments. Uh <laughs> this has been great. All right, I'm gonna stop recording before we say anything. That's stupid. See y'all. Bye.